Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello and welcome back to episode 304 of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. And as always, I am so excited that you're joining us today. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that I often hear a lot about it in my practice, how to approach the conversation and how can we support our partner when they're struggling with erectile functioning. I know many of my clients, they have said things in the past to their partner and they regretted it. It's tough if it's a new dating situation or if it's a long-term partner and it's a recurrent issue, it's helpful to know what are the options out there and how you can support your partner with this struggle. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Rachel Needle. Dr. Rachel is the founder and executive director of the Whole Health Psychological Center. She's a licensed psychologist, certified sex therapist, and an entrepreneur. Dr. Needle has specialized training in the areas of substance use disorder, trauma, sex, and relationships. Dr. Needle is an adjunct professor of psychology in the Department of Behavioral Sciences in the Master's in Forensic Psychology and in a Doctoral in Criminal Justice Program in Nova Southeastern University. She's the founder and CEO of Advanced Mental Health Training Institute and co-director of Modern Sex Therapy Institute, which provides continuing education, certifications, and a PhD in clinical sexology to mental health and medical professionals and sex therapists around the world. You can read her full bio in the show notes. Also, we are opening our class for learning how to be perform optimally in the bedroom for penis owners and their lovers. Last time was a huge success. So if you are interested to learn more about that class, make sure you are signing up for our waiting list to be the first person that you're going to hear about that workshop opening. All right, without further ado, here's my conversation with Dr. Rachel Needle. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited and honored to welcome Dr. Rachel Needle to our show. Dr. Rachel, welcome to our show. Thank you for having me. Well, you are a return guest, so we loved all of the previous conversations we had together. And today we're going to talk about something that we haven't addressed in this particular way. We had the whole season on erectile dysfunction, but what we're going to talk about is for couples that they are in a heterosexual kind of like a relationship, I get one of the questions often is that the female partner, they're kind of anxious about like if the partner have erectile unpredictable or they have erectile dysfunction and they don't know how to approach it. So like from your clients, from the experiences that you had, how do you think like the partner's erectile unpredictability and challenge can impact their female partners they're in a heterosexual relationship? And that's a great question. And it can absolutely impact a partner in a number of different ways, right? So we know that it can have adverse effects on a female partner's sexual experience. So we know that. We know that it might be harder for them to become aroused, might be harder for them to enjoy continuous sexual pleasure and even have an orgasm. 
And so research has found those things. It can also lead to issues with self-confidence and questioning. So, you know, one of the things I kind of tell people is, you know, at, at times the response is sometimes automatic. When you're not really prepared for it, you don't really know how it's going to, what's going to come up in you. So I, I tell people to kind of take a deep breath and definitely don't freak out in the, in the moment. Don't act disappointed. Don't laugh. Don't sigh. Don't be mean. And on this, in the same respect, don't blame yourself. Most likely, and in more times than not, most of the time, this has nothing to do with you but it can be very hard not to take it personally. Absolutely. And I've certainly seen the same thing, that this kind of like sometimes people see it as a confirmation that they're no longer attractive or they don't have the sexual skills and they get at times sad. And as you mentioned, the moment defensive and they might then we're at that place of kind of like a level of stress. You might say something that might not be as relational or tactful as we want, but also see that it can long-term impact the quality of experience so but i work with couples sometimes the male partners that's like once because of my erectile challenge because i was drinking i wasn't able to kind of like have have intercourse and now we are as a couple kind of scared of having sex because we don't want to have the same experiences i love that you mentioned that it's it's most likely it has nothing to do with you (laughs) that's been my experience that could be someone's hormone what like the side effects of the medication the stress level all sorts of things But if we are kind of seeing it as we are lacking on certain things, that can add another relational aspect to it. So it can be definitely for some people cause some stress and frustration. And I have clients that I'm sure you do that. They say, okay, it just didn't happen. Let's, let's move on with that. But I think what, how we approach it and what's the story you're telling yourselves are very important as, as women. Well, tell us about like, okay, so if we are in a new dating relationship, relationship like we, we don't know the person we're so excited about this we are on date number three <laughs> and like uh, then all of a sudden we notice that the partner is not getting aroused what would be kind of think that it's helpful to say and what are some of the help some of the things that are not helpful to say based on your experience well so in the moment right be kind and maybe just switch gears you know do do something else other sexual activity you know you can have plenty of different you can have plenty of fun without a erect penis so you can switch gears you can use toys you can do other fun arousing things so to have fun and experience pleasure, there doesn't need to be hardness. So in the moment, be kind, switch gears, still continue to have fun. Then later, right? Not in that moment, but later, it's important that you communicate about it. Because if you don't, you're just going to stay in your head, as you mentioned, and continue to make up these stories. And the, the more you do that and don't communicate, the more likely it is to impact the relationship. So communicate about it. You can ask, you know, some open-ended questions about it. And then, you know, support each other and how to not allow this to be something that then leads to, you know, performance anxiety for, for both of you. Absolutely. And I love the idea of switching here. I think long, long-term relationship or like just a dating relationship. I think it's helpful to have a menu of different options that you can do. And I tell people always just have a menu of options that the things that you like, because for a number of different reasons, maybe penetration like the penal vaginal penetration is not something you want to experiment that moment or there are some challenges i i love that and someone that you just met how do you know what are other things from the menus okay <laughs> in that moment or yeah. so communicate that as well right there there are a lot of different things you can do sexually and 
you know, so you can go to some of the ones that, you know, a lot of people do enjoy, or in the moment you can communicate like, Hey, I'd like to do this. What do you think? Or, you know, ask permission, you know, get consent and, and start doing other things. Absolutely. And I think the other important thing is just not try to make excuses in the, in the middle for them. I have some of my female clients, they get just so flustered and start like, Oh yeah, actually you had a heavy meal. So and that's why like, like I think just saying that at times I hear from my male clients is just not helpful. And I think then kind of like thinking about how can I make it pleasurable enough for me and for my partner is important. And what if we lose interest? We see that they they don't have an erection and all of a sudden we lose interest. Then what? <laughs> yeah. I mean, first, I, I think it's also really important to mention that there's another side of this, right? For some female partners, the difficulty, you know, the man having difficulty getting an erection or sustaining it might actually be preferred. It might then kind of reset the balance to what the, the other person prefers in a relationship. Maybe penile vaginal penetration is not something that that is most preferred and enjoyed by them. Maybe they don't want it as much. So while we look at the side that can be detrimental to the relationship, there's also this, you know, side that could, for some, could actually make it a, a more even balance and more preferred sexual type of relationship. So I think we need to also remember that, you know, but going back, I think that, you know, it's important to have a lot of sexual activities in your repertoire, right? And it's fun to be creative and try different things. So this can present an opportunity as well, you know, not just until, but in addition to when, you know, your partner is able to maintain an erection, hopefully in the future. I like that a lot. I didn't even for right now, I didn't think about what you, what you mentioned, but sometimes also we feel obligated to kind of follow the script, right? Date number three, first two dates went well. It means that like I have to have sex and maybe you just don't like not feeling like it's completely, you might not want to have the experience, but because then you see in the moment that like a partner doesn't have an erection, you might feel that, oh God, they're not interested in me and that that can shut you down. But perhaps that could be an opportunity to kind of experiment with all sorts of fun outer course things that you get to learn about the person's sexual energy and erotic part and playful that playful part that doesn't have that pressure of I gotta have intercourse. Absolutely. And then you know going back to what you mentioned earlier, the importance of remembering the different factors, which there are so many that can contribute to the difficulty with an erection. You know, there's the the you know medical issues and then medications that are used to treat these medical issues performance anxiety, poor lifestyle habits, as you mentioned, alcohol consumption. I mean, you know, contextual factors, relational factors, there's so many different things. So rather than assume it's you or or get frustrated, I think, you know, it's important to remember those things. I mean, all men at some point in their lives are going to not get an erection or lose an erection during sex. That's just that happens, right? Maybe not all the time, but it will happen probably at least one time to most men. So it's totally normal for some it happens and doesn't ever happen again. And when it does, it doesn't mean that it's necessarily have erectile dysfunction, right? For more, some where it's more frequent and, you know, occurs more often, causes distress, then yes, it might constitute and, an, you know, diagnosis of ED. But, you know, for most men, this will happen at least one time in their life. 
absolutely and more, more for most people more than once so i think if you're yes. above age like 18 yep. <laughs> there are times that you're stressed there are times that you drink too much maybe you smoke stuff and maybe you're anxious there's so many things that can kind of lead to people not having an erection that they want to have or you might gain it and you lose it and it's just part of kind of being in a kind of adult active sexual person when you were talking about medication side effect i was thinking about that i hear sometimes from my listeners I just talk about you know my partner had to take the blue pill or they went to kind of like get a pump all of those things that some people kind of use to assist getting an erection and they feel kind of like the female partner feels awkward and uncomfortable is that something that you recommend male partners to stay ahead of time like okay this is the challenge I have or you think it's okay in the moment to use that yeah I think listen I think communication is very important and you know, if you can talk about something preemptively, I think it also takes some of that pressure off in the moment. So I think absolutely saying, you know, having conversations saying, listen, this is something that I've struggled with in the past. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't, or whatever the facts are in, in your specific situation is very important. And it allow it prevents, you know, what can sometimes be experienced as discomfort or embarrassment or, you know, frustration later, although those things aren't necessary, but they do, they are often reported. And when it comes to PD-5 inhibitors, I mean, research has also shown that, you know, women with partners who do use them have more satisfying sexual experiences than those who don't. So if you do really struggle and you use them and that's something that's prescribed, then that's okay. But I think it's important also to, to you know, understand more about the origin before becoming reliant and, and doing that more long-term. Is this physiological? Is this a real blood flow issue? Or is there something else psychological going on that we can work on? But there's no, you know, harm in using and there's absolutely benefit in communicating ahead of time, especially. Absolutely. And I, I love that you're talking about about exploring the reasons because again people are just so scared of not getting an erection they have younger clients they use it as insurance that they just want to make sure i'm getting an erection and i think then that might not be the best way of utilizing those medication but i guess like for the people in a longer term relationship that the partner once had kind of very consistent erection and now they're not kind of like have as much of a consistent erection or the fir- firmness is gone so it's not necessarily about that awkwardness that you feel in first date it's more about okay my needs are not getting met and how can the first of all the female partner react with that is a common challenge that the partner have in a long-term relationship yeah about so if either one of them is not getting their needs met or specifically the female as a result of the erectile dysfunction the female for the result of erectile dysfunction because like many of my clients it's just like when you are in later stage of life you have kids so it's not like every day you have an opportunity to have sex so people saying that it's my date night i've made all of this preparation and my partner wasn't able to kind of like get an erection and they get very frustrated if it's consistent thing and again going back to being tactful i want i want us to talk about what would be a good and so not good <laughs> feedback in those moments yeah so i think good feedback would be again make sure that you communicate not in the moment but in the moment you can communicate about you know i'd really love this right now or this would feel really good or you know can you know let's try this so you can tell people what you want that doesn't have to again have an erect penis to do 
Absolutely. And I think it's significantly easier for people in a long-term relationship to communicate that. I think like if I want to tell my partner, like, oh, let me get grab my sex toy, it wouldn't necessarily as require as much a, a kind of effort of communication versus someone that I just met. But I think sometimes we get too comfortable with our partner, like a partner of long-term, I might say things that we might not say in the first date. What are some of the things that people kind of statements that they need to be aware of not to use during those situations? Yeah. And I think that that especially when it comes to difficulty with erection, that as you become more comfortable, you might also become, again, depending on the person, more frustrated. And so, yeah, sometimes things that are unkind and things that, you know, are a result of feeling frustrated or, again, questioning, what is this about? Is this about me? Can build up and we and we respond differently than we would maybe in that first time, or maybe we're more understanding, right? Because we're building a relationship or hoping to build a relationship. So I think just making sure that you keep yourself in check in that moment, don't ignore your feelings, process them on your own first. You don't always have to do that with your partner where maybe it could lead to a, dip, a change in relationship dynamics, but understand what that's really about for you personally, and then have a conversation when you are ready and calm and not naked <laughs> in the moment where you can, you can, you can feel validated, hopefully, in having your feelings because, you know, your feelings aren't wrong. If you're, if you're struggling with this, it's okay, but you have to have, you know, be able to express it and communicate it in a way that doesn't put your partner on the defensive, that doesn't carry the risk of, you know, making this an even more challenging and uncomfortable situation. Absolutely. I think kind of like paying attention to that narrative that shows up for you because some of my clients at at times they share that like I already feel insecure about changes in my body. He was able to get an erection. We're in our 20s. Like the moment I was kissing him now in my 50s, I'm worried about like I gain weight and that's why he doesn't have it doesn't get yeah. an erection, which at times, again, as we talked about, could be so many things. Maybe the blood flow of his penis changed and the hormones change. It has nothing to do with how your body looks like. I think in the moment, I, I love that you, you mentioned the kind of like shifting the focus on experimenting with things from the menu that feels connecting. And at times, again, kind of like maybe your partner is feeling shame and frustrated. And I, I think it's a way to ask for what you would need in that moment. But I think communicating is, is important. How much of a direction do you think we should give to our partner in those situations? Direction? Oh, like this is what well, I would like to do. As, as much as you need. I mean, listen, everybody likes things, you know, said to them in a different way. So you know, certainly, you know, depending on your relationship and, and how you like to talk to each other, I'd be mindful of that. Some people like a more stern and direct, you know, do this. <laughs> and some people like, I love this, or this might feel really good, or I'd like to try this. But but certainly don't be afraid to to share what it is you want and what you like in a way that can be heard by your partner and doesn't feel like, you know, it's an order or direction unless that's what they like. <laughs> that is true. And I think also kind of developing those many, especially in your long-term relationship outside the bedroom can be helpful. Like I'm talking about those things because sometimes people get stuck in the shame spiral of the man feeling the kind of male partner feeling that, oh my God, I failed all of those negative narrative. And when the partner kind of like reaching for their sex toys that we haven't talked about it, maybe that feels uncomfortable for the partner or they feel it as a rejection. So I think 
communication is important. And I think kind of changing the script is important. So you wouldn't end up at the place of avoidance because I, I bet you see the kind of common pattern in the couples that like they have few bad experiences and then they start avoiding sex and they kind of years goes by and they might not want to have sex. So as a female partner, what can we do to support our partner with this without kind of putting them on this shame spiral? Sure. And I think you're, you're right that we do see a lot of people that are uncomfortable communicating about it or maybe didn't do it in the the healthiest or best way at the beginning. And as a result, you just see avoidance, right? Avoidance from the the person that's struggling with the erection because they don't want to, you know, have to deal with not only like the disappointment maybe they have in themselves because they they want to have an erection and have sex, but also, you know, whatever comes up with their partner. We have that as well as they don't, you know, the partner doesn't want to feel badly about themselves. And we see that happening a lot of times. So I think it's important to, to just get on the same page as much as you can and and not not shame the other person, not make them feel bad and, and vice versa, right? It's it's normal to sometimes doubt ourselves when certain things are happening. That's okay. None of us have perfect self-confidences, right? Like and 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 just, you know, I think be kind and and compassionate towards yourself and your partner. Exactly. And I think it's also to keep it in mind, it's important to keep in mind that sometimes with treatments of erectile dysfunction, many of the homeworks are like as a quote unquote homework for therapy or kind of people see better results if your partner is your teammate. So they're helping you with this journey of doing these exercises. You don't need to feel like, oh my God, I have to figure it out alone on my own because my penis is broken. Your partner can be part of this journey. And many times when people go through this treatment, what happens is that they learn about a number of different things that can feel exciting. And they open the door to the things that they are they might be interested in, but they haven't experimented before because they're focused on having the same kind of like a penile vaginal experience. Experiences. So I think it's important to to know about that. What are some of the kind of the off menu kind of like the options in the menu that you've seen people try and that 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 was something that was kind of like exciting for them? So, you know, some will have toys, which mm-hmm. can hit the penis and be played with and a turn on for, you know, all partners involved. So using different toys dressing up in different ways and, and being able to just do some deep kissing, because that's something that with length of relationship sometimes subsides and it's a lot of fun and can be a huge turn on and going back to some of those basics, right? Even some of the things that we used to do more when we were younger, like, you know, called dry humping back then, you know, I mean, just have fun. I love that. And I agree with you. Sometimes people think about, okay, I'm the partner or the long-term partner. I don't need necessarily to seduce them. So they just kind of like jump into the main core play and they just like haven't been kind of that physiological arousal buildup. So I think kind of like, especially if your partner feel anxious, you know, it's helpful if you do the kind of like kissing, as you said, like the kind of like exploring the body, dry humping, all of those things can be very fun and playful. I think that's, that is important. And I think with the sex toy kind of idea is something that can improve your relationship. It's not like a competition with you. <laughs> that is something that like, that's your uh, ally and can be helpful. Do you recommend people to kind of like talk about their sex toy outside the bedroom, do the shopping together? What have you seen that work for people? Yeah, all the above, right? I think it's very important to talk about it outside the bedroom and what you're comfortable with, what you've tried, what you enjoy, what you want to try together. And I think it's super hot to go uh, either online or to a store and shop together and pick things out, pick out outfits, pick out toys, pick out accessories. 
can be a lot of fun. And it can also lead to some, you know, laughing together where there are things that maybe you've never seen before. And you can, you know, both learn and talk about them together as well as, you know, laugh about some things like, no, I would not like that. I mean, it's it's a good bonding exercise too. And it can be hot. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I bring back that playfulness back to the relationship because when there is some sexual challenges in the relationship, all of a sudden it becomes so serious and focus on treatment and all of that. But if you can go somewhere that you can go kind of bring up that element of playfulness, that can be helpful. And there are toys that can help with challenges people have and they can improve the partner's partner's arousal and kind of like climaxing. Like we all seen, like I guess we all are meaning music therapy field. <laughs> the cock rings that they have kind of vibrating piece that helps with kind of clitoral stimulation. Think of those uh, those nature would be helpful for people to experiment and see what, what can you use it as an opportunity if you can use it as an opportunity to improve their sex life. Well, what is the issue is the partner? Like we tell our partner and the attraction is an issue. Is that the case at times? Absolutely. There, there are times people change, their tastes change. Sometimes we're, you know, we're not attracted to the person. And, you know, that's a conversation as well and a very, very delicate one. So listen, attraction can change, you know, especially at the beginning, I tell people and they're like, well, you know, I don't think it's a good fit. I'm not attractive. And so like, give it, give it some time, right? Like once, you know, other things grow in the relationship and, you know, it can, it can lead to that physical attraction. I, I do believe that if after a year you're not attracted, then maybe that's not going to happen in that way. But it can also be that factors in the relationship change and so does attraction. I think that really have to make a conscious effort to both understand that and work towards finding that attraction or something that is attractive within that person again, if that's something you both want. I agree with you. I think when I think about attraction, sometimes people feel like the partner is attracted to me, but sometimes the challenge might be that they're no longer interested in this particular activity that you're doing. So that requires some conversation about maybe going to sex therapy or exploring things together to see, okay, what is my erotic template now? What is it that's going to be something that makes me excited? But I know as we talked about at the beginning of the episode, it's my experience that most of the time for couples, it's more about kind of like some physiological challenge, psychological challenge that's not necessarily related to the attraction to the partner. Even relational challenge, when people feel humiliated, not heard, not seen the relationship, that also can be the reason. Yeah, and even when it comes out as an attraction issue, a lot of times that's not the only factor, right? That's the one they want to pin it on and blame it on so that we don't have to do this work and understand ourselves and look at these other things that could be playing a role. It's a lot easier to say, you know, this person's gained weight, I'm not attracted, then, you know, I'm drinking 20 beers a day. <laughs> I've certainly seen that, that you're right, that like you're focusing on a wrong thing, right? That like we might even believe ourselves that that is the issue, but there's so many other vulnerable factors that we're not ready to talk with our partner about. Well, I know that you have your group practice. I know you have so many great things that services that you do for the community. Well, tell us how can people find you and what are some of the ways that they can find your work? Thank you so much. Yeah, so I have a number of different websites. I have drrachel.com, D-R-R-A-C-H-E-L.com. And I have the group practice, which has specialists in all different areas so that we can meet everybody's needs in one place. And that's Whole Health Psychological Center wholehealthpsych.com is the is the website. And then I have Modern Sex Therapy Institutes, which is a continuing education and certification provider company. We also offer a PhD in clinical sexology. We offer 
a number of specific certifications, you know, in general, like sex therapy certification, problematic sexual behavior, LGBTQI affirmative therapy certification, you know, sexual trauma, as well as 10 others. And that is modernsextherapyinstitutes.com. People want to reach me, they can always email me at drrachelneedle at gmail.com as well. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's always lovely to see you. And thank you for all the great work you're doing. Thank you as well. I hope you guys enjoyed our conversation. You know, unfortunately, it's common for people to say things and they regret it. No one taught us about how to approach sexual challenges with our partner, with ourselves. If you had some challenges in the past, there's never too late. So make sure that are learning more about how you can support your partner and also have a, a conversation with them about, about those challenges. As I mentioned, we are opening our workshop, which teaches men to be able to perform well in the bedroom and also practice ejaculatory control. Last time we had that workshop, it was very successful. We got lots of great feedback. So if you are interested to learn about it if for yourself or for your partner, make sure you are signing up for the workshop. So when we open the doors, you'll be notified and we have some fun surprises for people on our workshop waiting list. So if you're on a waiting list, you're going to get the surprise email with all the bonuses soon. All right. I cannot wait until next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.